My name is Maria Kent Beers, and my co-host Rachel Martinez and I are pleased to present Remember Me. This podcast is dedicated to preserving the memories of those diagnosed with FTD. We hope this episode leaves you feeling more connected, provides a deeper understanding, and allows you to learn to accept the good. Always, always accept the good. This is Remember Me. Today we are chatting with our friend Heather. Heather is going to talk to us all about her journey with her father, Ed, who she is currently living with. And we might see him pop out to say hi. Welcome, Heather. <laughs> hi, Thank Heather. For being here. Thank you. We know that you are a follower of the podcast. So you know how it goes. We just jump right into the story and we want to know that first moment or interaction of like, something's not quite right with my dad. So my mom and I were talking about this earlier and uh, we just had St. Patrick's Day. One of the things that she noticed was we were down in New Jersey and she was like, can you cook the corned beef and cabbage? He's like, I don't know how. And he'd always cooked it like that for his entire life. He also started obsessively doing things with his painting, selling calendars, to people who were interested, but he was like a little bit too forward, which he'd never been before. Wait, let's back up. He was a painter? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Artist and a house painter. So he did both. Oh, got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he was being like a little too aggressive, like sales wise. Okay. Got it. Yep. And also he would like finish a painting and he'd run down to Staples, like while the paint was drying and have them make copies of it, like hundreds of dollars worth of copies, thinking that he would sell them all, which people loved his art, but not that much. (laughs) (laughs) We were like, you're spending more money on printing these paintings out than you're making from people Mm. buying your prints. And he also did fall victim to a credit card scam. He paid like $4,000 to fix their credit score, which was fine. So those were some beginning signs that something wasn't right. And when you noticed these signs, what was your reaction? What did you think was going on? Um, I think it was mostly, we were just checking in with him and saying, what's going on with you? Like, cause at that point he could communicate and he'd just be like, oh, my memory is a little off. I'm getting old. It's just memory stuff. And you couldn't really talk to him about it because he just thought everything was fine. So we were like, okay, I guess everything is fine and you're just enjoying life. Right. And how old was he at this point? About 66 or 67. Okay. And how old is he now? 74. Okay. So what led you guys to do some additional work trying to figure out what was going on? How did you guys get to the doctor? Uh, His panic attacks and obsessive compulsive was kind of what led us there. He would have major panic attacks and slam his head against the wall and scream at us and say that we hated him and and we were trying to kill him and just (laughs) over the top. He'd always been pretty calm. So we went to the doctor and started there. And then that kind of led to mood stabilizing drugs, which helped but didn't stop the progression. And then off to the neurologist. And this is Maria's favorite part of every episode. (laughs) 
How long did it take you to get the diagnosis? Um, so we started going around 2013. 2014, we we were like, we think this is FTD. And then by 2017, we finally had people agree with us. Yeah, we hear that a lot, that it's oftentimes you Google searching and finding information and going, wait a minute, mm-hmm. maybe it's this, and then you bringing that to the doctor. So yeah. just to go back a little bit, though, so they put him on a bunch of medications because the doctors assumed it was some sort of like a depression, anxiety type issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe you, bipolar panic attacks. And the medication did not really help him. He did find one eventually that worked that he'd been on for like 10 years now, but they tried other ones, which did nothing for him either. And what, what did you observe during that time that made you think, no, no, it's something more than that. He completely lost his memory completely. Like you couldn't tell him one thing and five minutes later, have him remember it was gone. Did he remember you and your mom? It left. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. And like, I have notes 2014. He's, he knew that he knew me, but insisted I wasn't his daughter. And then when that starts happening, that's kind of the worst. You're, you know, mm-hmm. out to dinner with your dad and he's treating you like you're a friend and just starts hitting you different at that point. So let's get into that a little bit. What was that like for you? Like, you know, you're growing up and dad's kind of the hero. And what was it like for somebody that you spent your life, you know, kind of idolizing, looking up to whatever, for not remembering you? Uh, It's not easy. Mm -hmm. I remember exactly where we were, you know, it was like, one of those things where people are like, do you remember where you were mm-hmm. when this happened? Yeah, we were up the street at our neighborhood restaurant and it was me, my dad and my boyfriend. And I just like burst out crying because mm-hmm. he was like, you're not my daughter. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel when your dad says that to you? And this was like, we knew something was wrong, but it wasn't like it is now. It's not constant care. He was on his own. He was, you know, driving and <laughs> he says, you're you're not my daughter. That's hard. Yeah. And that's really, really hard. He also on the same lines as that started losing his um, like social inhibition too. So he would say really hurtful things to me, which may have been true. Like you look fat in that shirt and like to hear your dad say something like that is supposed to be like your supporter and, Mm -hmm. and everything say things that's hard too. Yeah. And were you living with your parents throughout this, this whole period of time? No, I lived in the same town, but I moved back like 2015 or 16. So I've been here a while, but. So around the time you finally started to get some sort of a confirmed diagnosis, you moved in. And when you received that diagnosis, this is really what my favorite part is. Yeah. Hit us with it. Hit us with it. Favorite. Meaning like, this is the worst, (laughs) but so they give you the diagnosis. And then what do they say? Uh, There's nothing we can do for you. See you later. Live your life to the best that you can because expect the worst. Maria's like, this is the part where she gets super sadistic. Like she knows it's coming and she's just like, yeah, what did they say? What did they say? Every episode. It's one of my biggest issues. I know. It's just like, okay, your loved one who is like essentially like, you know, 
50s, 60s, 70s, you never saw this coming and you gave the diagnosis and you're like, cool. And that's what it's been. You know, there's, he's had four different doctors because they don't stay and we're basically on our own Mm -hmm. figuring out each step. Like, what do we do now? What, what's Mm -hmm. next? Where do you find your resources? Like, how do you troubleshoot? Um, We just recently in the past month or two brought hospice in. Okay. So at least now we have somebody to ask. Mm -hmm. But before that, I mean, I read all the Facebook posts. Yeah. And every time I'd see something that was similar, I would like tag it or like follow the post and just see other people's Mm -hmm. suggestions and so you're and then, like shooting fish in a barrel. Like you Yeah, no and then idea. you try things. Yeah, you try it and see what happens. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We definitely hear that. And what stage is your dad in now? Could you kind of walk us through so like we know that he was, you know, kind of almost like having tantrums and like outbursts and then lost his memory, then like what have been kind of the stages? It did start like that. Like you could leave him home alone. You could count on him to like drive places safely. And then he started driving places like unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Like he would wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to Martha's Vineyard. Bye. Or he'd say, I'm going to North Carolina today. Bye. And we were like, would uh he go? Yeah. And you guys are located in Pennsylvania? No, we're in Connecticut. Oh, you're in Connecticut. That's yeah. right. Okay. So um, a lot of his spontaneous trips were like down to the shore or to see his sister in New York. But one time he got in the car, drove to North Carolina, turned around, came back. So then we had, you know, it's just step by step. Then we had to figure out how do we take away the driving, mm-hmm. which yeah, was easier than, easier than we thought. Um, we have a pretty good story. He we have a pretty big backyard and like a trail and I was cooking dinner, looked out the window and saw the Subaru out in the woods driving up the trail. (laughs) And we were like, well, that's not good. So after that, you know, that was kind of step one, no more driving, which took away a lot of his independence because we'd have to take him everywhere. We'd have to make sure that he wasn't leaving on his own. So then we were staying home more Then we needed something for him to do because staying home gets boring. So then we start taking him. I'm a dog walker. Mm -hmm. So he loved doing that. I would take him with me to dog houses and then, which was good. Then he would walk into the house, open the refrigerator and steal a banana. (laughs) Then I'd be like, okay, well now we got to figure something else out. Then we tried, you know, the day programs went that route for a while, which never fit him. Uh, the first one he hitchhiked out of, and the second one he tried to jump off the second floor uh, railing. <laughs> and then finally we found a good one, which he was at till COVID. And then his his latest downfall has basically been um, since COVID, he, his walking is really bad. So like we can't leave him for a second because you don't trust him to stand up and not fall down or eat something he's not supposed you just can't leave him alone so we're at that stage now where he's oh he also lost about 40 pounds since covid 40 to 50 pounds so he's definitely visibly deteriorating now is he still talking yes 
he uh, he can communicate with talking mostly, but you kind of have to figure out what he's saying. Mm-hmm. It, the words don't always form correctly, mm-hmm. um, but he's very good at saying thank you and please and I love you. Those are his <laughs> big Sweet phrases words. that haven't left. So that's a plus. Yes, especially plus. the I love you. Hang on yep. to that one. Yep. So I know you mentioned hospice care. Is that because of the walking or do you think that the time is near? I was afraid of hospice for a long time because you hear hospice and you think death. End of life. Yeah. Yeah. But after COVID realizing that we didn't want him in a hospital, Mm -hmm. we didn't want to take him to a doctor's office. It sort of turned into the better option. Got it. So that's yeah. My mom why. was in hospice care for six months. I mean, mm-hmm. I do know there's that you know connotation Stigma. to the word, but I mean, sometimes it's just. I mean, sometimes people are in hospice for a year. It's just that's mm-hmm. the level of care that they need at that point. Yeah, my dad was on hospice for a long time. Just it mm-hmm. was helpful. Why not? I just that's didn't know. Definitely something I didn't. I didn't know before Mm -hmm. this, I thought if, if hospice comes in there, that's it. Mm -hmm. What about eating? Is Ed still chowing down or is he on a pureed diet? Nope. He's still eating, but you have to be careful what you give him because he will shove it all into his mouth at Mm -hmm. once. So we try to let him eat on his own as much as we can, because it's good to have them do things for themselves, Mm -hmm. but you can pretty much feed him anything and he'll eat it, which is good. So it sounds like since Maria and I are now um, what's masters of FTD, it sounds like you're in the thick of the disease and Mm -hmm. we're curious to know what it's been like for you. What does it feel like to watch your dad just deteriorate? This is the worst thing in the entire world. And it makes it worse because people don't really understand. Yep. Like he's here, but he's not, he's not the same person he was. He's just a different being. It's the worst. He's not that parental figure. I take care of him. It's me. Like I'm, I'm doing everything that he did for me when I was a baby. Right. Role reversal. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to, when you're, I know Rachel would probably agree. Like when you're in that, that long-term situation, it's probably like hard to even remember what it was like before this, because you've been going through it since 2014, you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a long, it's a long time to be watching someone um, just not themselves that this Mm -hmm. becomes kind of who they are in your mind. Mm -hmm. And is there any way that you kind of cope with that or, cope with those feelings of, you know, my dad is not my dad. You know, I mean, you guys know this, this is going to end and it's not going to be pretty and it's going to be it. So I kind of hold on now that I've been through a decent amount of time, you have to realize that you got to hold on to what you can. Are you accepting the good? I, sometimes. <laughs> a little bit? When you can. Sometimes like not. Not in the thick of it though. You know, that's the worst. It is. I remember that. Yep. It's an honest, it's an honest answer. And when you can hold on to the good, you can. I wish that I had known it more 
when I had more chances. Mm-hmm. Me too. Like appreciate when he could come dog walking with me instead of me thinking, oh, this is such a burden. I have to bring my dad with me on a dog walk. Mm-hmm. I think we all feel that way at some <laughs> point. Like I read I re- something like you never know it's going to be the last time. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it happens and then you're like, oh, tomorrow we can't take him because he stole a banana. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, but you don't realize it when you're in it. And that's a hard. That's the hard. other day he got up and forgot how to walk. And I was like, well, this is it. You know, he's going to be bed bound for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And he bounced back. But those kind of, it's terrifying. Yeah. And it's There's... not, it's going to happen like in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so anxiety inducing too, to be like, when's the next step coming, you know, like, is this it? Like, I I remember so many times, even just, you know, Rachel and I became friends last summer, my mom passed in December and like so many times in between that's like six months of being like, this is it, this is it. And you, I think you would do it too, Rachel. Like today's the day. Yeah. I'm going to wake up you said it perfectly. Like this isn't going to end well. And we know that. And it's just hard to train your mind not to be in this crisis mode all the time, because you just, you know, something bad is coming. It's And then you also have the guilt of like, why isn't this happening quicker? You wish it would, but you wish it won't. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it's a line you have to to walk. Yeah. You're speaking some real truths. (laughs) I think a lot of people Truth bombs. Yeah. Truth bombs. Yeah. I remember it all back up for me. (laughs) Yeah. I remember being like, what is he waiting for? Like, Mm -hmm. just close your eyes and go to sleep, you know? And then you get the call or you witness something and you're like, okay, here it comes. And then they hold on and you're like, okay, I'm like prepared. And then when it actually happens, you're like, I don't know. I think our situations were different. I felt a little bit more at peace, maybe because mine was so long. I don't know. But it's still that like shock of like, what is okay, now it's all like your life is going to be so different on the other side, because it's revolved around Ed for so Mm -hmm. long. Right? Yep. I think it's really hard for the caregivers that are, you know, the day-to-day caregivers, because like Rachel said, that's your life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's going to feel weird because this has become who you are. You know, right. it's a daily caregiver. I remember my dad said like shortly after my mom passed, like I haven't had to just think about me mm-hmm. in so long. Cause it's always been, what about her and us? And all of a sudden now, Like he doesn't have to prepare before he goes to a restaurant that he's going to bring, you know, little tiny uh, pureed food. Like he just, uh, he just has to be himself and that's hard. It's Mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. Heather, tell us if there's anything you want our listeners to know before we jump into who Ed was before. What, what's something that you wish people would know or understand? Well, this for us, this disease has become so isolating. My mom and I are doing this together every day and there's no break. And if you know someone who's in a similar situation, I would say, even if it's hard, you have to reach out, even if it's just a text and say, hello, Mm -hmm. even if it's like, what can I bring you for dinner today? Instead of saying, what can I do for you? You say, 
I'm going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more people that would help us like that. And we have some, um, a good friend of my dad does that. He comes every week with a dinner and it's great. And my clients, like my dog walking clients, a lot of them have called and said, when do you want to go to the barn? When do you want to go for a walk? What can I bring you for dinner? So like a, a forward approach to helping mm-hmm. is yeah. appreciated. <laughs> Totally. And very actionable. Like, it's not yeah. just like, how can I help you? Because mm-hmm. you have a laundry list of things, I'm sure. You could fold my laundry. You <laughs> could go grocery shopping for me. But somebody mm-hmm. saying, you know, dinner will be ready at five, I'm sure feels really nice. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to learn a little bit more about Ed. We know he likes to sing. <laughs> yeah, we know he likes to sing. <laughs> But we definitely want to learn more and and focus on that goodness of who he was before FTD. So can you tell us a little bit about your dad? Yes. Let's see. His main career, he was a special ed teacher. So he spent his whole life basically helping people. And then he became a department head. And I remember before he retired, all of the teachers who were like, you know, the young girls are just starting their career, loved him. They called him special ed. And uh, (laughs) like, he took them all under his wing. And he took care of them all to like, you know, have the next generation of teachers be like him. So that was his, his main career legacy. Yeah. 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 He was also a house painter. um, And he loved bartering. So instead of just, you know, getting paid for jobs, he would barter with people like if you snowplowed he'd paint your house and mm-hmm. snowplow our driveway and then when he retired he used that as well he would paint houses out on Martha's Vineyard and he would trade for time and then not only that he would bring all of his friends so my mom and like my sister and her family and his best friends from here would all spend two weeks out on Martha's Vineyard on him so he was That's very amazing. Wow. yeah very generous Rachel, do you yeah. know how much it is to go stay a night a night in Martha's Vineyard? Should mm-hmm. I know? Should you'll this, learn. You'll should learn. Should this West Coaster know that? You'll learn when you come out to see me. We'll go out to Martha's Vineyard. But it's on you, so, Ben, because it sounds expensive. I know. You could I treat wish. me. Maybe we'll be big shots by then. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. Martha's Vineyard is so mm-hmm. so beautiful. And he did place. it his whole life. He would he would do a job like a side job, and then he'd give my mom and I ten percent of everything he made. So he was, you know, giving and shared in everything he did. And are you the only child? I have a half sister. So when my sister was 12, my parents got married. So he took her in too and, you know, stepdad to her, her family now. Nice. What was his personality like? (laughs) A little out there sometimes, I would say. He was very excited about everything. I mean, he still is excited about everything. You can hear it in the background, I think. He's he's a, a person who loved to travel and was completely into meeting new people and having new adventures and just would, you know, grab life by the horns. Is that the right mm-hmm. expression? And loved my, people, favorite, loved everything. my favorite question of the whole thing. Um, what was he like as a dad? Pretty much the same as he was to everyone else. You know, like he would, he would put 
me first, would help with my homework, would take me to the barn whenever I had riding lessons. Like you could always count on him to do whatever he said he was going to do. He was always there for anything you needed, money, support, whatever it was, and very loyal and loved to have a good time. I wonder if we could put up a painting of his on our Instagram so we could just share a little bit of his art with everyone too. Yeah, he loved um, to do portraits. So he has a lot of portraits of like Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow and a lot of Bob Marley and he did portraits of his friends. Yeah. What do you think your dad taught you growing up that is something that has kind of shaped the way that you see the world? I mean, I guess I would say I do, I, I follow in his footsteps. I mean, you can count on me to do whatever I say I'm going to do. My job is a caretaker. I take care of animals. Now I take care of him. So, I mean, I basically learned the person I am from the person he was. That's beautiful. Don't cry, Rachel. I'm not. It's really (laughs) sweet, though. That's how I feel about my dad. How do you think Ed would want to be remembered? I think his most happy times were traveling. So I think being remembered as an adventurer and a traveler. I loved his art, an artist, a musician, and a caretaker to everybody. That's awesome. I Sounds like remember. a good friend, too. He does. I was going to say, I, I started thinking of my parents as my friends when I was home from college because we, you know, our relationship turned into more of a, a yeah. friendship than anything else, which is why I, I'm doing this for him. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I know it's so hard and it's so frustrating and it's not easy. Well, he's lucky to have you and your mom. I know. Yes, both of us together. We couldn't do it without each other. So I hear that. You're doing an amazing job, doing an amazing thing, taking care of him, and then also taking the time right now to speak with us to share your story and help others. So he would be super proud of you. Can you share with us some words from Ed? Yes. I'm going to read from his journal. When I read through these journals, you can kind of see his explorations and his sense of humor in this. Um, So, and his helpfulness. This specific entry is about helping my sister move when she lived in New York City. And (laughs) it's called The Strange Tale of the Weber Grill. We had a Weber Grill, actually Anne's, in the yard for 27 years. It was used one or two times. I hoped it would rot away, but it didn't. And on and on, it existed through rain, wind, ice, snow, rotting leaves, falling branches. It was like that cat that just wouldn't go away. Finally, Anne agreed to trash it. So it ended up in the big metal dumpster at the Simsbury Town Dump. Hooray! Later in December, when no one missed the old Weber grill, we helped Aaron and David move in the city. They were looking to get rid of their Weber grill. You know what happened? We transported that grill back to West Simsbury, and there it sits, occupying the same spot as the previous grill. I'll bet slightly smaller. It is insignificant. There is another grill occupying that 27-year-old space. Arg! 
How am I going to get rid of it? EW. So listening to this week's episode we release new episodes each week on mondays so be sure to subscribe on apple podcasts or spotify if you want to connect with us you can follow us on instagram at remember me podcast or you can visit our website rememberMeftd.com. this podcast is produced by rachel martinez and maria kent beers and the beautiful music you hear is a song called so damn lucky by bailey kent